Holy God, you call us to righteousness and to light. As we study your word, teach us so that we may love your children even as you do and love you with our will and all our strength and that we may find freedom in serving you as taught to us in word and deed by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading from the Old Testament is from the 43rd chapter of Isaiah. The Lord says, Who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters? Who brings out chariot and horse, army and battalion? They will lie down together and will not rise. They will be extinguished, extinguished like a wick. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look. I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. The beast of the field, the jackals and ostriches will honor me because I have put water in the desert and streams in the wilderness to give water to my people, my chosen ones. This people whom I formed for myself who will recount my praise. Now, our gospel lesson starts near the end of the 11th chapter of John. That chapter began with Lazarus getting sick and dying. Jesus arrives in Bethany and tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he asked Martha, do you believe this? Martha replied, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, God's son, the one who is coming into the world. While well, grieving the great loss of her beloved brother, Mary tells Jesus that if he had just been there, her brother would not have died. But Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And as we pick up on the story at verse 55 in chapter 11, listen for the word of God. It was almost time for the Jewish Passover and many people went from the countryside up to Jerusalem to purify themselves through ritual washing before the Passover. They were looking for Jesus. As they spoke to each other in the temple, they said, what do you think? He won't come to the festival, will he? The chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where he was should report it so they could arrest him. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Lazarus and his sisters hosted a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who joined him at the table. Then Mary took an extraordinary amount, almost three quarters of a pound of a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, then wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of the perfume. Judas 
Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, complained. This perfume was worth a year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would take whatever, uh, take what was in it. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. This perfume was used in preparation for my burial, and this is how she has used it. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, may my words and may all our, the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Are you a shopper? My father-in-law, Betty's dad, Vassar Sharon, was not what you would call a shopper. Like many, if not, <coughs> excuse me, if not most men, his attitude toward shopping was, if you like it, let's get it and go, and if you don't like it, let's just go. <laughs> <coughs> so before holidays and birthdays, Master would generally give Betty a budget and tell him, buy your mama something pretty. Well, when Betty and I got married, I was included in that little conspiracy. Well, of course, my mother-in-law, Elsie, was wise to this plan, so she knew how to drop helpful hints. Well, one December, Betty was to choose some diamond earrings for my father-in-law to uh, surprise my mother-in-law with. As Betty admired how grand those diamonds, those diamond earrings looked on her, she told me, when we've been married almost 50 years, you can buy me earrings like this. <laughs> well, that's sort of a joke. We did buy Betty some those zircons, you know, the fake diamonds, <coughs> for, for me to give her a sort of family prank. So when she opened my present on Christmas afternoon, Betty was really surprised to find the real thing in the package. You see, I told her I could not wait 50 years to see her smile like that again. <laughs> and you know, she's wearing them up today. <laughs> I forgot the rose, but I didn't forget to put on the diamond. There you go. <laughs> well, today's reading from the Gospel of John involves a story of a much more extravagant gift from another person who just couldn't wait. It happened in Bethany at a dinner at the home of Jesus' friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Now this dinner scene contrasts really two approaches to discipleship. On the one hand, there's Mary who pours out onto Jesus' feet a bottle of perfume to wash his feet. And you heard Judas say that this perfume is so valuable it's worth a whole year's salary. Well, then there's, of course, Judas Iscariot, who points out that could have helped a whole lot of poor people, even though he really just wanted to help himself. Well, I looked it up, and according to the United States Census, that
the average North Carolina household income as of 2014 was $46,693. For the nation, it was 53,000 and change. You split the difference, you call it 50K, $50,000 roughly. <coughs> Imagine a meeting of church officers, not just here, but a church anywhere. And a church lady has proposed spending that much money, $50,000, on a one-time worship event. And another officer has proposed, why don't we spend this on the poor? How do you think most churches would vote? Would most churches buy into an expensive one-time worship event? Admit it. We'd be as practical as... Judas Iscariot. We would take care of a few church repairs maybe and we'd do something to help the poor, but we sure would not blow $50,000 on a one-time worship event. This kind of Calvinistic uh, thrift is kind of hardwired into our DNA. We, we strive to be good stewards and not waste scarce resources on what looked like frills. Well, you may remember that I told you just last week that one question asked about any Bible story is, what does this story teach me about God? I believe that one thing we should learn about God in this story is that we should be grateful that our ways are not God's ways. Because if our ways were God's ways, God would never have come into the world as a human named Jesus to die for us. Such amazing and extravagant grace, it's not practical or sensible at all. Such a plan would never pass a common sense cost-benefit analysis. It's not reasonable. It only happens because God loves us in an extravagantly amazing way. Let me ask you though, has that, that eighth verse of John 12 ever bothered you like it's bothered me? You know when Jesus said, you'll always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. What was that about? By itself, out of context? You may have heard text out of context as a pretext, <laughs> and often that's true. Out of context, it's hard to understand. One of the best ways, though, to interpret Scripture is to study what's the rest of the Bible say on this subject. And that approach is especially helpful here because, as it turns out, Jesus was quoting Scripture from Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter, the 11th verse says, since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. Out of context, what Jesus said can sound callous. But the fact is he was quoting scripture that said we always need to be helping poor people. But he also said, not to condemn Mary's extravagant act of worship. By washing Jesus' feet, Mary anticipated Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, described in that next chapter, John 13. 
It also anticipated Jesus' death. Listen to what he said in the seventh verse. Leave her alone. This perfume was to be used in preparation for my burial. And now this is how she has used it. So after the fragrant dinner, what happened next? The next three verses in John 12 tell us that when the great crowd of Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest planned to put Lazarus to death as well. Since it was on account of him that many of the Jew Jews were deserting and were believing in Jesus. You see, Mary had a unique opportunity to worship Jesus in an extravagantly costly way, not given to you and me. So our challenge is to be the kind of disciples who are so aware of and so grateful for God's extraordinary, extravagant gift of grace to us that we can live like Lazarus. That is, so that we can live in a way that leads others to believe and to follow Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our friend, the one you remember Mary said is God's son, the one who is coming into the world. Thanks be to God. You may have wondered, what's that he's got sitting up there? It's not nearly worth a year's salary, but it's worth a pretty penny. It's called passion. One of those... Uh, Taylor fragrances. Somewhere in the Bible it talks about how we are the fragrance of Christ. By the way we speak to people, by the way we treat others, especially those in our own family, especially those that can easily be taken for granted. We are the fragrance of God, the fragrance of Christ. <coughs> So make sure that your fragrance is sweet like Mary's, not like that stinker Judas. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.